Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Peter Gabbett Podcast. I'm your host, Peter Timothy Hankst, and today is May 25th, 2020, which means I'm on day 163 in a row of 365 promised episodes. It brings you unedited, unscripted, improv, news, movies, music, sports, food, entertainment, and all things except politics. Any NBA fans out there like myself have been wondering if this season will proceed at all or if they'll just scrap it and wait for next year. But it looks like we finally got the answer we have been waiting for as they officially have chosen a venue to play out the rest of the NBA season itself at the ESPN Worldwide Complex of Sports in Orlando, Florida's Disney World. Now, this all makes sense because, as you may know, Disney owns ABC and ESPN, who have a multitude of contracts with the NBA anyways, so for them to televise the sports that we want to watch, it would be easy if they were in a venue that they already owned anyway, so this will work out, and it looks like they can accommodate all 30 teams at the same time to ensure that everybody has a chance to play out the rest of the season as well as fight for their spot in the postseason or actually win the playoffs and make it to the NBA Finals. So I am in high spirits for this because I have waited long enough This could have been the year of the Portland Trailblazers fighting for that eighth spot and making it somehow after many injuries that plagued them the whole year finally healed up for Yusuf Nurkic, Rodney Hood, even Damian Lillard. This could have been the year for the LA Clippers to show up the Lakers having acquired Paul George and Kawhi Leonard and stacking their team with so many stars that they were ready to face off against Anthony Davis and LeBron James. Now, I can't tell you how excited I am to see the end of this play out because I've been waiting for months and so have you. So I've got high hopes. Supposedly, the season will start back up maybe next month, if at worst, July 1st. And I am excited for it. I cannot wait and I will be watching nothing but basketball and my bank account dwindle as I still probably won't have a job. Now, I am not usually a golf fan, mostly because I suck at playing golf, but also it's just really boring to watch. But when you pair up Phil Mickelson and Tom Brady against Tiger Woods and Peyton Manning, That's when I kind of get interested, because then you want to know, how good are these NFL players at playing golf if they're as good as they are at playing football? Well, they are not great at golf if you compare them to their partners in the match, is what it's called, with Tiger Woods and Peyton Manning facing off against Phil Mickelson and Tom Brady. However, one actual shot by Tom Brady was heard round the world because he hit this into the hole from the fairway 
in an amazing shot that absolutely anybody who's anybody would have to admit was just amazing. I mean, this guy hit a shot from, I would never get close to this. There's no chance. It was amazing. Although they lost anyways to Tiger Woods and Peyton Manning in the end, Brady's shot can be watched on YouTube or any, you just look it up. It's amazing. The shot that he sank, everybody loved it. It even gained a $100,000 charitable donation from somebody watching who could not believe he hit this shot. Even Charles Barkley had nothing to say after pretty much taunting Tom Brady the entire time on account of his bad golf game. And, you know, he wasn't that bad, but he was not good by any means most of the match. But this one shot proves that Brady can be the best in anything he does if he really tries. But that's not the only thing that he ripped was an amazing shot in golf that day. When he bent over to get his ball, his pants ripped. And yeah, embarrassingly enough, Tom Brady had to swap out pants because they ripped right down the seam of his butt crack. So although he he hit a really nice shot, he also should have worn a little bit of looser pants, it seems like. Come on, Brady, you're getting older, buddy. You're not as skinny as the skinny jeans you wear when you're golfing. In the Pacific Northwest, where I grew up, the underground hip-hop scene is questionable at best. You know, we do get great concerts up there, don't get me wrong. I've seen Atmosphere plenty of times, Aesop Rock, Sage Francis, Living Legends, Hieroglyphics, you know, you name it, they play up there. But it's usually a small, intimate venue, which I prefer, and, you know, it, it doesn't always sell out as you would expect it to with such a big city and, you know, to me, such a big name. But there are some people that keep the hip-hop scene going up there to the highest degree whether they are doing shows, making music, you know, slapping hands with producers, and just all around keeping the scene alive in the city of Portland in a place where, you know, a lot of people like country music and pop and, you know, just things I can't even describe, EDM and stuff like that. That's not my cup of tea. I loved underground hip-hop. And there's some guys up there that bust their asses to keep that scene alive and put in work and produce and develop really good hip-hop that is the likes of which would blow your mind if you could possibly hear it. And one of those guys I spoke with yesterday by the name of Diction Uno, a.k.a. Benjamin Morrow. This dude I have followed since I was like seven years old. He's been making music his whole life, all of it quality. The guy's lyric content is just at a higher level, so much higher than most people in that industry. His ability and his speech patterns, his tone of voice, and the way he flows would absolutely blow your mind. It's incredible. And I gotta say, this dude is doing it up right now, dropping a couple mixtapes soon. 
a whole new album featuring people that I, I can't believe he's doing tracks with them. He's got Scarab from Living Legends. You know, he's doing work with Old Dominion. And this guy has been on tour with some very well-known artists, even living with Killa Priest from Wu-Tang at one point. Down here in San Diego, he lived for a while doing shows and just putting in work. And I gotta respect the guy for that. Insane props to you, sir, for doing it up the way it should be done. Putting in work, going on tour, busting your balls, and, you know, busting your ass, I should say, and making phenomenal music that I enjoy so much. So keep an eye out, folks. An ear out, I should even say. I'm going to be letting you know some more details on this album when it drops. Diction Uno. This guy is seriously the man in the Pacific Northwest. He is the anchor that holds down the hip-hop scene. Him and his crew of peeps up there in the Pacific Northwest. They are doing it, and I got nothing but props for them. Love you, brother. Keep it up. I'm super proud. Remember the bizarre name that Elon Musk and his crazy singer wife came up with for their child? Well, it seems like it was not acceptable in the state of California as they require names to only have letters from the alphabet in them. So now they've changed the kid's name up and taken out the actual number 12 to swap it for the Roman numerals 12 XII. So now, Elon's baby's name is officially XAEA-XII. XAEA-XII. I, I don't really know what to even say about that. Like, nobody's ever going to be able to say that name. When they get roll call in school, the kid's going to get screwed every time. Oh, uh, is Thomas Smith here? Oh, he's here. Oh, Michael Johnson? Oh, he's here. Oh, Sarah Gilbert? Oh, she's here. What about X-A-E-A-X-I-I? -I, I don't know what the heck this is. What kind of a crazy joke is it? I'm here. Oh, it, it is a person. Oh, okay. Well, I'll mark that off there. I mean, how, how do you say that really quickly? Supposedly, it's said Ash, Ash, I, or Ash something. Who even cares? That's stupid. Your name for your kid is stupid. Now, it means all these things. I've said it before. The AE thing stands for artificial intelligence, which I thought would be AI, whatever. Some other part of it stands for the SR-17 rocket or something. That's the, you know, SpaceX's famous rocket, you know. And then something else stands for, like, Archangel or whatever. And then the Roman numerals of 12. I just, oh, God, how much weed were they smoking? And how much hallucinogen had they taken when they decided upon this name? I mean, had she just received the epidural and in a state of complete relaxation from drugs, I guess you could call it, or a state of complete panic from about to shove a baby out of your vagine, 
Maybe that's when they chose this crazy era. Maybe she just spit out gibberish and he wrote it down. And he was like, oh, uh, well, I asked you what you wanted the name to be. And she just said, X-A-I-X-I-I. And then I wrote that down and we decided to go with that name. So uh, here it is. Now, they always say everything's bigger in Texas. And take no exception to this rule when you're talking about hail. Because recently, in a city known as Burke Bennett, residents were pummeled with grapefruit-sized hail pieces, smashing cars and destroying property during a thunderstorm. Now, I'm not talking about softball size. I'm talking grapefruit size. These pieces of hail, which can be seen in some social media posts, are huge. Almost as big as the biggest hail ever recorded, which was in South Dakota in 2010. But this this is incredible. Just take a look at the size of these chunks of hail falling from the sky. At that point, if you're living there getting pummeled by this, you're actually thinking this may be the end of the world. Because what else could cause such a crazy amount of ice to, con to just collect into big chunks before it lands onto the planet? It just doesn't even make sense to me how those ice crystals can form in the sky before they drop down. I mean, they're huge. We're talking 135 millimeters across. These things are big pieces of ice coming out of the sky, and it just boggles my mind that that can even happen. But of course it happened in Texas, where again, everything's bigger, and not always better. See, that's the difference. Things can be bigger in a place, that doesn't make them better. Bigger mosquitoes, bigger birds, bigger snakes, bigger lizards, in this case, bigger hail. Oh, Florida, when will you learn? Take a look at this video that occurred in Daytona where a car, some white car with a sunroof and three guys kind of stretching out of the windows and sunroof of this car with wads of cash in their hand created just bedlam with a huge amount of people stopping traffic a crowd of up to 200 just reaching and screaming and begging for some money as these guys flashed some cash and threw some of it out of their windows at the people begging for a dollar or two. I just, I don't even know what to say. It seems as though that entire area has forgotten that we just are on the cusp of climbing out of a major pandemic where at any given time... You could get sick from somebody next to you, but when it comes to money, on the beach in Florida, no rules apply. These people can be seen just screaming and begging and hollering for some cash as these undoubtable rappers or something are flashing wads of dough that they think obviously make them super cool and throw some of these bills in the air to watch people act in a frenzy trying to grab some quick cash. Pathetic. 
go out, get a job, keep quarantining yourself to, so as not to spread the virus in such a way that they have to close what they just reopened, and stop blocking traffic. If the reason I was late to work was some BS like this, I would be pissed. But that's just another reason why I don't live in Florida. But I gotta say, I do live on the beach somewhere else. And nobody ever pulls up in a car and starts throwing out money to us. Why doesn't that ever happen here? Folks, thank God it's time for the portion of the Peter Gabbett podcast known as Real Stories, brought to you by me, Peter Timothy Hankst, and Barbecusion, that's B-B-Q-U-S-I-O-N, should be back up and running soon. Today, I'm going to tell you the story about when I sadly attended a long-lost friend of mine's mother's funeral, and it turned in to an all-out rager of a party. Now, I once had a friend by the name of Ryan Casey. Due to his extreme use of drugs in the past many, many years, I've lost contact with him. We don't hang out anymore. He's a drug addict. I'm not. I have a family. I want a normal life. So that's pretty sad, but at the height of our friendship, on a very sad day, His mother, who happened to be pretty much his only real family member, his only real form of support outside of his friends, passed away sadly. Now, he was just heartbroken. He was definitely a mama's boy, and although they had quite a bit of beef in the later years of his life on account of his drug use and, you know, absurd behavior due to his addiction to drugs... They still loved each other dearly, and when she passed away, it was really, really sad. But I was there for the guy, because that's what a friend does. And during the, I guess you want to call it, funeral after party, we left the service and went to his mother's home, you know, where she lived before she had passed away, with her boyfriend, I guess you want to call the guy, He was not a very good dude. He did his best to ensure that every single possession she owned, including things that were just meaningful and memorable to Ryan, would never see his hands because he didn't trust him and knew that he was on drugs. And I guess he kind of had good reason for this, but whatever. So we go to the boyfriend's house where there's a funeral after-party type thing, which was strange to me and my friends as it was, because, you know, traditionally speaking, when somebody dies, you don't party it up thinking about the fact that they died, but she happened to be a great host and a top-notch partier for most of her life, my friend's mother. So it, it was the best way to honor her by throwing a party in her name after she passed away. So we get there, and there's, as you would expect, a ton of old people, probably 30, 35 of them, and they're all over the age of 40, some even around 60, and there might even have been a guy who was like 70 or 80 years old. So there's some older peeps, and we're like, I don't know, 15 or 16 at this point, so, you know, it's kind of hard to 
really relate to these older folks that are mourning over the death of their long-lost friend or family member. But in my experience, as soon as the bottles get popped and people start taking down a drink or two, they loosen up. And sure enough, we were sent to go retrieve a huge quantity of alcohol for these folks, which obviously we weren't 21. So we brought somebody who was 21 with us, put him in our car, and our mission, according to the people who were running this party, was to come back with the things you would need for Irish car bombs. Yes, I don't know how this idea got brought up. I think it was something to do with Roberta, the mother who passed away. Her favorite drink during a party experience was an Irish car bomb. And so we were sent to go get this stuff. So we bought a ton of Guinness and a crap load of Baileys and a couple half gallons, I think, of Jameson Iris whiskey. So, you know, we had everything we needed for a bunch of Irish car bombs. Maybe not two half gallons, maybe just one half gallon of Jameson. Didn't need that much. Either way, we had a lot of it and we came back to the party and we knew our mission was complete. So we start serving up Irish car bombs to these old folks. They've never even heard of this drink. They have no idea what's going on. And we teach them how to do it. And you put the half shot of JMO and the half shot of Bailey's into a shot glass. You drop it into a pint that's half full of Guinness. As it curdles and turns into this milkshake type drink, you slug it all down as fast as you can, ensuring that the shot glass doesn't slide down the glass itself and crack your front teeth. So we showed them all how to do it. And to our surprise, these old peeps, they started getting down on some Irish car bombs. I'm not saying they drank one, not even two, but they started hammering multiple car bombs in 20, 30 minutes. I'm talking they were getting faded at this party to the extent where some of them inquired to us about weed. They're like, hey, uh, we know you guys are young. You probably got some weed around here somewhere. Does anyone have a joint? Well, as you may know about me, especially at the age of about 16, I definitely had some weed. I had a ton of it. And so I started blazing it up with these old peeps, and it was crazy. They were getting down, dancing, having a blast, just smiles on their faces, stoned and drunk as F. And I could not believe this. Now, I didn't know if what I was doing was the right thing, but I knew what I was doing was making people smile and laugh and have a good time. And that is what Roberta would have wanted as a tribute to her after her death. Nothing would have made her more happy than to have her friends all gathered up in the same place, thinking about her, having a good time, drinks in their hand, and I guess in that case, stoned off their ass. So I gotta say, I have a wonderful memory of the time that my friend's mom passed away. And as sad as that is to say, because she was a, an amazing woman, and I wish she was still alive to this day, she got the ultimate tribute when she passed, and it was all thanks to Irish car bombs and weed, to be honest. Hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Peter Gabbett Podcast, folks. It looks like the world is reopening slowly but surely. 
So let's all get out there and enjoy ourselves. We don't have to be stuck at home anymore. We can even sit in a restaurant if we want to, although it's kind of weird now, so I don't know. And I will talk to you tomorrow. Now today, folks, I'm going to conclude the episode with a song that's sort of a mini-tribute to the surely still addicted to drugs old friend of mine, Ryan Casey, who I hope will someday sober up and meet me once again. But for now, let's just say he is living on a prayer.